Welcome to Curious and Candid, conversations with those in pursuit of more. Today's guest is Nicole Hendrickson. Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Good to be here. For sure. So, uh, Nicole, we're going to kind of just jump right into it. I would like to know, how do you start your day? Do you have a, a specific routine or ritual like that you like to stick to on most days and on most mornings? I do. So I would say seven days out of the week. <laughs> Typically, it starts out the same. Um, I wake up between 4 and 4.30 in the morning, and I start off with just a little breath work and roll into drinking the first part of my 40 ounces of water. And then I roll through, brush my teeth, grab my coffee, and I go into some meditation and prayer. And I have daily read that I hit every single day and just a nice little reflection of what the day is going to look like for me. I am a mother of two. So despite getting up at between 4 and 4.30, sometimes I have a visitor that I have to put back into their sleeping place. Um, but I usually am successful with accomplishing um, my breath work, prayer, meditation, and then I go into grabbing a workout. And I usually at home am starting off with mobility and then roll into getting on my Peloton. And I'll be honest with you, the work on my Peloton is movement has always been um, this opportunity for me to, It's well, movement means a lot of things to me, but my morning movement has always been an opportunity to absolutely download all of my thoughts and to put them into action. So most of the time, the work on my Peloton is not that I'm racing somebody else on the screen. It's like seriously this beautiful opportunity for me to kick off my morning of putting all my thoughts into action. And then so I'll tie that in with about so it's 30 minutes typically that I'll I'll spend on that. And it's usually a combination of thoughts going into action and a serious sweat session. And then from there, I roll into a cold shower. And I get ready. I like to be absolutely ready before my kids interrupt me and the day begins. So get ready. And then I continue drinking water, have my greens, and then kick off my breakfast. And then usually I'm then serving um, my children breakfast and having some quality time with them before the, the day begins. Now, I still do teach early one day out of the week. So that day looks just a tiny bit different, but I usually maintain and honor that same morning ritual. Um, I, I'm pretty loyal to that, being able to have that time. I've been that way my whole life, but being able to have that time to myself and that commitment to that ritual is a serious um, gift to my day. Okay, cool. Now, a couple things I want to touch on from that uh, morning routine or ritual, so to speak. Um, the breath work uh, what does that kind of look like and why is that important uh, to be kind of at the start of your day? Yeah. So to be clear, I actually start and end my day that way. Um, but in the morning, so it looks a little, and it's important for me to note that because the morning and the evening looks just a tiny bit different. The morning is really an opportunity for me to check in with where I'm at, right? Um, it's a more, it's an opportunity to check in with where I'm at, but I ultimately also abide by this guiding principle in my life that I get to decide. So I might have been interrupted throughout the night with having two small children. I might have been interrupted with just my own thoughts of a lot going on in my life, but checking in with my breath and bringing that reflection piece of prayer in my daily read with that breath 
it's just an opportunity to go inward and really decide like, what is that, what is my day going to look like for me? And so that breath work is not only reflection, but it's like, it's, it's like goal driven, right? Like it's driven of where I'm going, what kind of impact I want to make in that day. Like what is the focus of that day for myself um, with others? How do I want to show up? How do I want to kind of clear my space, mental, emotional, physical? Um, If I might be struggling with an injury, like how am I going to funnel that struggle through the day? So really that morning breath work is an opportunity to focus, go inward, set the tone. Mm. Okay. And then how does the breath work compare in the morning to the evening? uh, If you don't mind touching on that, Nicole. Yeah. So that morning opportunity, like I said, is an opportunity to reflect on like how I feel when I wake up and what my mission is for the day with the focus, whereas my nighttime is really a down regulation. It's really an opportunity to just absolutely release, let go, um, and give myself permission just to turn off. I'm unapologetically a driven (laughs) human being. And so that, you know, there's some repercussions that come with that, with turning off my brain and giving myself permission to be done. Um, So the nighttime is definitely down regulation. The nighttime is like about letting go. The nighttime is about not like carrying my reflection into my sleep. It's just like giving pure opportunity to, um, like I said, release and just be present and, and give myself a chance to recover. Hmm. Um, okay. Now, uh, I, w- I want to touch on, uh, the meditation aspect because, um, for this podcast, curious and candid, I'd say probably, uh, every single guest I've brought on so far, or at least 90% of them start their morning with some sort of meditation practice. So for you, what does, uh, meditation mean and what does it look like for you specifically in the morning? Totally. That's a great question. And I think it's, totally fair to put out there. One, I love that that's a common thread amongst all your guests. Um, And I think that it's important for me to mention that I think that that looks different for everyone. And so I think it's important to take ownership with that. I'm definitely um, in deep alignment with prayer and I'm definitely in deep alignment with having, you know, belief in a higher power. And so um, I'm also in deep alignment with having, um, the ability to have like active meditation. So the morning I try to like really give myself permission to like reflect and just kind of be still. But there are times that um, if I'm feeling kind of a little eager for my day to roll, then that meditation practice will roll into like some movement, right? So I might take it from being still seated on the ground or seated in my bed, eyes closed to maybe actual focus, breath, stillness, and then move into like more of a mobility. but it always kicks off with me doing my morning read and then I will close my eyes and I'll dedicate at least 10 minutes to just breathing and like energetic breath and thinking about what that looks like. Like I said, in reflection to what I feel, what I've read, where I'm going with my day, and then kind of depending on where I'm at inward, um, we'll move into more of an active meditation or maybe just maintaining that absolute stillness. Mm. Beautiful. Love it. Okay. Um, now, uh, for these next, uh, three questions, if there's more than one, don't limit yourself. Cause I'm assuming you might have more than one for the next three questions. Uh, the next question though, is what is your favorite book or the book that you like to gift most often? And then if you consume podcasts, do you kind of have a favorite or go to podcast, Nicole? Ooh, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, 
there, there's two different books that I probably gift um, the most. And I think it's important for me to preface this answer with, I don't believe that like any resource is ever gospel. So I think it's important for me to say that like, and um, I, I think that often like we can be inspired. We have kind of a go-to book that we send out, but it's also important and I'll lead off of like one of the ones that I'm going to say that I share often. And that's extreme ownership is you've got to take ownership of like, what, it, what is your mission and um, how does that suit you? And I think so often in our world, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a mom, whether, you know, you're an athlete, all the different things. And I guess I'm sharing a few things that I've, you know, have resonated with me in my lifetime. Like you can't, I think it's important. And this is my biggest advice is like, you can't pick up a book or listen to a podcast and be like, that's the answer. Like, here we go. It's no, like, what is that information, that intel that you've gathered and what does that mean to you? And how can you utilize that information for the chapter of life that you're in? Because we evolve, right? And so there's a handful of books. I'm actually looking at my shelf right now that I'll pick up and ones that I have read back in college that like when I read now, it's like a total different, total different ball game. And I appreciate that. But the two that I, you know, refer out to people and leaders and um, even my girlfriends just with relationships would be extreme ownership and the book relentless. And while I will tell females specifically, like, you know, these, these two books are going, they're going to be intense and they're going to kind of, you know, push you back on your heels a little bit. And, um, and again, not trying to isolate the fact that I think they push men back on their heels as well, but I think I'm cut from a little different cloth as far as, you know, my background. And so, um, those are things that I get excited about, but at the end of the day, like, I think they're really great resources for women and women leaders, because you really are going to just cut straight to the chase and we need a little bit more cut straight to the chase, a little more logic with that. And, um, I love so many, I mean, I love so many aspects of extreme ownership and I, the book Relentless came to me as a gift to somebody very dear to me in a time that was like very challenging and the why behind being gifted that book and the time frame of my life and the purpose it served, I think is another one of the powerful why is behind me wanting to share it with other people. And like I said, I often will tell them like, you know, this is not gospel, but take it for what it is and read it and have a clear understanding of like, what kind of feeling does that elicit? You know, um, another book that I think is awesome um, for me personally, it, you know, there it hasn't provided any like aha moments, but I love its clarity and I love it being delivered all in like one little package and that's Atomic Habits. Like I think it's a great, really straightforward, easily digestible, you know, not going to really like I said, push you back on your heels, but it's a lot of value in it. Um, and I'm going to be really honest with you. I love podcasts. I really do. And I spend a lot of time in the car, but I do find myself because I'm so insanely stimulated <laughs> throughout the day in my life there. I am so famous for having all of these podcasts I love. And I just put them like in this like little Rolodex of like, okay, when I have some time, you know, like I'm going to, when I'm ready to like, I drive a lot like quiet and it's like my time to just think, um, which people would think like, oh, you drive so much. You, you know, you have the time to listen and I do, but I also love that time of silence. So um, when I do listen to some podcasts, I've always been 
a pretty loyal follower um, of Jenna Kutcher. I just like total as far as like business development and just true um, go-getter and like entrepreneurship and easily digestible content. She's very generous, like with what she gives away. And I think it's um, really helpful. You know what I mean? And, and I love that about her. And I, I also think that um, she brings a little like softer side to maybe my more intense edge. So it's good for me, but I obviously love, you know, Joe Rogan and the whole crew there, but um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the girl that is a podcast listener every single day. I just, like I said, I think there's so much value. I myself am inspired to kick off one and I want to do it every day, but I'm all, I'm also the girl that's like, Oh, I'm going to listen, have some quiet. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I can concur with that. That's great. Um, what's, uh, uh, a life lesson, Nicole, that you've been taught or you've learned in the last year or within recent times. And again, if there's more than one, um, go ahead and share if you'd like. Um, I think that I think this one keeps coming in like repeat. So I'll share this one. Um, and when I say repeat, it has like different, uh, it's posed different challenges. And then I believe it to be like such a solid life lesson of we evolve and when we evolve, we can be challenged, um, with digesting a different version of that lesson, if that makes sense. And the one that speaks that just like came to me right away. So I'm going to go with my gut on this is the power of living your truth. Mm. And what I mean by that is being so clear in your values and being so clear in your deliverables and when you're clear in those, in your values and your deliverables, despite maybe others around you not fully understanding or fully being able to digest them, having that power to come back inward and understand that like you, you gotta, you gotta march forward and you gotta live that despite it maybe not being easily digestible or maybe understood or the the popular, you know, particular, particularly popular trendy topic and I believe that to be a lesson that I continue to face because not only do we live in a world of like insane stimulation and insane resources constantly coming at you, but I've also found myself in an industry <laughs> that continually bombards you with that and bombards you with that from every angle. And then I also am in a chapter where, you know, I also chose motherhood, a part of my life and that's another sector, another avenue that's just constantly pounding you with these different narratives and these different challenges to what your truth is. And so I would say the best life lesson um, that I can deliver to the world and specifically women as I continue to impact them is to get unapologetically clear in your values, your core values, and get unapologetically clear in what your mission is and stand tall in it, stand tall in it, not in like a, I'm going to be the loudest and most aggressive, but just let that light flow and impact people by not being the loudest, by not being, you know, the most trendy on your social platforms, but living it. That's the best way you can impact and cultivate change and cultivate. When I say change, like moving the needle in the direction that is, you know, the best is living it. Mm. 
Okay, now I'm curious, Nicole, uh, because that that is a, a you know a very profound uh, you know life lesson. Like you, I love how you said it's it's kind of like at different evolutions or different stops, different seasons in your life, it, it's kind of like reoccurring, and and there's different evolutions of of this. But and we're gonna kind of, we're gonna get into your story, so I don't want you to get too deep into your story at this point. But at what age, kind of age range, and at what point? in your life did this first kind of come into your uh being because i think a lot of us when we're younger especially nicole and maybe you can relate maybe not but i think a lot of us when we're younger like i'm talking about like teens early 20s right like we're a lot of us are trying to fit in we're trying to we're trying to figure life out we're trying to figure ourselves out we're trying to just see where we fit in or, or where we don't fit in whatever all that stuff is right um so when when did this lesson kind of like come into your existence? What around what age and what was like the circumstance or circumstances that kind of uh, caused this to be presented to you, if you don't mind? That's a great question. <laughs> I feel like my immediate answer is to say high school. Um, I feel like high school was the pivotal time that um, I probably first and like when I really reflect on different things that have happened um, since then, I would say that's probably the first time that I have felt like this, like deep calling and like, I'm going to go, like, I'm going to go for it. And also um, simultaneously experience like resistance to that. And then like, what are you going to do about it, Nicole? <laughs> you know, like what, what does that look like for you? You know? So I feel like that was probably my first time. And I, and I, I think it had, I think, you know, if I were to really, dig deep like there's some similarities um and similarities in response similarities into the challenge and so then there became like a little bit of familiarity but then there was like a lot of times where I was like cool like new beast <laughs> like new beast but say you know like again what are you gonna what are you gonna do like who who are you you know who are you to the core and what are your guiding principles um so I would say yeah and again, you said not to get too much detail, so I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, and, and we'll we'll, we'll uh, I'll I'll make sure that we kind of come back to that uh, once we get a little bit deeper in your story. So, um, last question in terms of kind of the conversational starter questions: uh, Do you have a favorite quote, mantra, or word? Oh, <laughs> all the above. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you can you can yeah you can you can give us a quote, mantra, or word if you if you got all three. I'm sure you probably do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think there's like a few things that I probably say often. And um, I think one in which like probably the softer, more you know, gentler side would be I often always, I, not often, I, I always tell people to make it a great day. And I know that seems like so ridiculous and like coined, but it's just so damn true. Like you, I think about it and I've just owned it, like make it a great day. Mm. And, you know, I, I often also say like, get after it. And um, I'm going to butcher this, but there's this awesome quote that I've had on my email signature and I can share it with you if you want to have it in your podcast notes, because I'm, I'm going to butcher it on here, but it's essentially something to the effect of, and I first discovered it, um, 
I think it was my freshman year of college. And I was just like, I'm, this is, yes, this is everything like for me. And this quote essentially talks about if you hit a, you know, you run into a brick wall, like you figure out how to get up and over that damn brick wall. And I, it's obviously much more eloquently put out there, but the reason why I like it so much is that's life. And life is instead of, oh, there's a wall, like let's turn around and go the other direction. For me, I look at it as great. There's a wall. Not only it might not be like, I'm going to figure out, like I'm going to scale this wall and get over it, but it's really about for me, like, cool. This obstacle isn't saying to turn around and go back. This obstacle is saying like, what are you made of creativity wise, mental grit, internal fibers, and like physical strength. Mm. And that's why I love it so much. And I continue like, literally, I'm like, okay, this is going on, you know, almost 20 years that I've had this signature and I just love it. And I think it's so relevant to every chapter I've ever been in my life. And um, yeah, happy to share it with you guys. Cool. Perfect. Okay. We're going to transition Nicole into uh, your backstory. Okay. So um, I would like to know uh, where you where you actually like physically grew up, like what state or what part of the country, um, and then paint the picture for us, Nicole, of your your childhood. So um, I'm I'm assuming you were probably a very active girl. You played sports, kind of did all the things there. So talk about like what sports you played. Did you like school? Did you not like school? Uh, family dynamics. Are you an only child? Do you have siblings? Like kind of just give us a snapshot of what life was like for Nicole when she was younger up to about high school and then we'll move on from there. Sure. Um, I was born and raised in Oceanside, California. So that's North County, San Diego. And um, I am the daughter of parents that have been married for 40 years, happily, lovingly friendship married. It's pretty freaking spectacular. I'll tell you. Um, there's no such thing as perfect, but I would start off by painting this picture of like, I am the byproduct of two people who committed to evolving together and their non-negotiables and the non-negotiables was, um, family faith and unconditional friendship. So, um, my mom, full-blooded, beautiful Italian woman, um, she has, she's the oldest of six and she has five sisters. My dad is, um, he has, let's see, four siblings and he's kind of like in the middle there. And I am again, my product of two loving driven parents, um, complete opposite. Like they both had very, they had similar, um, upbringings in the sense of two parent loving, hardworking family. But my mom, like I said, hundred percent Italian, big, you know, dynamic family. My dad is you know mixed like german cherokee indian like midwest um grew up hunting fishing and comes from a long line of veterans and he was a badass athlete just like an all-star just an all-star guy and decided late on after he went to college on a scholarship had some opportunities to try out for the pros he was called to basically go and serve his country he just decided like this is what i come from so he went into ocs and crushed it, hated it in the beginning. And I love hearing that story from him because he literally went in at, I think, 23 and was like, what the hell did I do with my life? Went to the Marine Corps and 
it was like, I think he said like week three and he was like, this is the best decision I've ever made. And so um, I think it's important for me to just shed a little bit of light on him because he is definitely my hero and he's my hero, not because like I'm daddy's girl, he's my hero because he's just a good man and um, good man to my mom, good man to us. And he's had an incredible impact on my life. And so, yeah, um, had an incredible um he was an infantry officer, retired as a colonel of Marines. And um, while it's important for me to note that I grew up in Oceanside, California, after I was born, um, he decided that he was going after, I think it was 12, 12 years or so of being active duty, decided that he wanted to commit um, to being 100% like around both my brother. I have an older brother and being around my older brother, myself and my mom and didn't want my mom to raise us as a single mom. So made a huge decision with having an epic career in the Marine Corps um, to go ahead and step out of that and pursue his coaching and teaching career. And while he was pursuing that coaching and teaching career, he also then went back into um, the reserves for the Marine Corps. So I paint that picture for you all because I grew up with a multifaceted father and a multifaceted mother in the sense that my mom's family owns um, a few small businesses and that is still to this day like any typical Italian they never stop working <laughs> she still is running that operation and I'm hopeful you know to once have a mom that retires but anyhow so that's just a little bit about my mom and dad um, I have an older brother we are just over two years apart and he was my absolute best friend growing up just a stunningly handsome awesome man and he took care of me like nobody's business. He was an incredible athlete um, and just an amazing, just an amazing brother. And like I said, best friend. And we are still close to this day, but like we were, you know, the best, the besties growing up and he always took care of me. And so my childhood comprised of my brother and I both being very active, but at the center of our lives was always family. And um, we sat down at that dinner table every single night to eat dinner together. And with the exception of as times evolved and we were, you know, playing sports or on Friday nights when my dad um, was coaching that sort of thing. But that is where it all took place was at the dinner table. And my mom and dad provide an incredible platform for both my brother and myself to be good listeners, mm -hmm. to be a part of courageous conversations, to know that, you know, the, the true meaning of like, this is conversation that's kept here at the table. And also a spectacular platform to be able to ask questions and um and it didn't matter there was always a place for us to ask questions and then with that trust and with that cultivation of listening and um conversational skill set bloomed the most perfect platform for my brother and I to just be open about anything and i think you know that is something that i still hold true to my and my husband's parenting style is like providing that platform. And um, my mom and dad ran a tight ship. Like it was no non-negotiable as far as like my mom and dad took ownership of being our parents first, but because they were our parents first and they provided that we knew like that we were safe and we knew that, you know, we could talk about whatever and that they loved us unconditionally. And um, despite my dad being a very driven, um, successful athlete and coach. It was a non-negotiable family time. So it was a clear understanding in our household that you're going to bloom where you're planted. So 
you know, I'm old enough to be able to say that club sports were still kind of, they were kind of new, you know what I mean? Like it didn't quite like take over until I was probably in high, high school, if that makes sense. Where now I feel like it's like the norm that people have their kids, you know, running around with their head cut off at five. So that was like not it in our household. We were multi-sport athletes, but there was a fine line. Like, you know, we're going to have family time. Like I said, my mom, this full-blooded Italian and it happened. We were hanging out at Nona Nona's house. So we grew up around, we were literally had the village. And that's another important piece for me to capture for you all is I have five aunts. I have my Nona Nono still living to this day. And my cousins were our people. Like it was like a big joke amongst all of us that like we all had a ton of friends, but we were like, bye for the summer and the holidays. Like we were not like, we'll see you during the summer. We're like, we'll see you next year, my friends. And you're lucky to get an invite <laughs> to come over to the family house. So we, which it sounds funny, but it was true. And then like, as we got older, it was like, you could start like vetting some friends into the cousin Italian circle, you know? Um, so we spent our summers working, you know, at the grocery store, like, and then eventually we got old enough because it was just walking distance from the beach. So eventually we we're old enough that we could earn our time and walk down to the beach and have some summer fun. And again, we grew up playing sports. We grew up doing junior lifeguards. We grew up being around our family. We grew up, my dad's family lived in the mountains in Arizona. We'd spend summers out there with just some of the most epic life lessons that I can to this day. Like we're so lucky to grow up with both sets of grandparents and those two sets of grandparents, including, and then my parents shaped my life forever. I mean, being able to sit down, my papa was a World War II veteran, 101st Airborne, D-Day. I mean, just Purple Heart, like stellar of the greatest generation. So being able to have that growing up and being able to like learn about my family in that way and not just be so like child centric of whatever my brother in my life is, I think a huge part of what shaped me to this day and um, why maybe I also feel a little displaced at times in today's world is um, just a different outlook, you know? And um, so, yeah, again, I, I think it's important to note that I really didn't isolate um, one sport until my junior year of high school. So I grew up playing, um, softball and uh I danced I did gymnastics I'm 5'10 so I know there's tall gymnasts out there now but my dad was like listen kid like this is gonna be short-lived for you <laughs> like so I hope you're having fun so that was like a small stint for me I'll be honest with you softball was really boring to me I like love to play catch and I loved that sort of thing but I'm like yeah this is awful um but again being a west coast kid like we didn't have lacrosse and all field hockey and like all these really cool sports that women have now but I grew up swimming I grew up you know doing all these things and then it was junior high when I was introduced to volleyball and I was like where has this sport been my whole life like this is for me it's like beautifully feminine but like just kick your ass and I loved that um and I loved like the agility and all those things tied into it so continued to dance, continued, um, to swim, um, and be, like I said, junior lifeguards, all of that be on the beach. And then, um, it was with having this awesome relationship. My brother, like I said, was a stellar athlete and my dad being a football coach and athletic director and teacher, I got introduced again. I'm old enough to say this, that women were not strength training in high school when I like it, it was like myself and another gal pal that I like requested I was like come on it's gonna be fun you know what I mean and so we um got ourselves into this like weightlifting class and I remember just like looking around being like 
oh my god like I mean this is like the real deal you know like not 24-hour fitness with like these machines it was like barbell and like steel everywhere and I remember my brother being like come on Nicole you know what I mean like come on in and I'm like I don't even know what to do with any of this stuff and I will never forget that feeling it was just so empowering to be in a weight room and I think it's important for me to know um so my maiden name is Deniki and I didn't have a first name until college I just want you guys to all know because I had an older brother and a dad um my dad like I said is a retired colonel marines he's six five and um he's big he's a big guy and my brother same thing like you know jet black hair big dude in high school so you know people loved me but they they didn't call me by my first name. So it was Deniki's daughter, Deniki's sister, coach's daughter. And I remember people looking around me in this weight room being like, don't look at her. Like, don't touch her. <laughs> don't ask her if she needs help. <laughs> so, um, but it was really cool to be in that environment and just like watch people like work hard and like work, like seek to learn and the camaraderie that was happening. Um, and, you know, I'm public school kid and big, big high school. My graduating class was just under a thousand. So that should just give you like perspective, like very, very diverse. Um, I went to a very diverse high school and um, that's a big part of also shaping my experience leading up, you know, to these days of my life. Um, it was cool. It was really cool to experience how athletics and movement united everyone. And, um, you know, I'm talking like my high school, I went to like, we had gangs. So like, I'm not just talking like, oh, there's culturally diverse. Like, so it was like a unification situation and that was powerful. And I will never lose, um, I'll never lose that sight of like how cool it was to watch people sweat and move together. Mm. So, um, I went on to continue to swim in high school. I decided I'm not shocked to share this, but decided to run for class council president my sophomore year of high school. And my mom graduated from, at that time, our rivalry high school, you know, obviously years ago graduated. And they had this like epic homecoming in class council experience. So I just decided living vicariously, that was one of my driving forces to wanting to run for class council. It was I was going to bring that back. And I did. I will humbly tell you, I did. Like, I don't know if y'all have ever seen this, but they use like floats. So they used to like fluff thousands of tissue to like make these epic floats and you would compete. And so that was like the thing. I was like, okay, I'm going to run for class council. We had an amazing like sports teams and I'm like, we're going to do this and we're going to create like this epic experience in our high school. So I did. I kicked that off my sophomore year. I kept playing multiple sports. I started attending volleyball camps. Um, my dream college to go to was the University of Notre Dame. And I got a chance to start going to, like I said, different camps and get serious about it. My athletically, I was sound, but volleyball wise, my skill set, our league that we played in my high school was so incredible. In my high school, it might as well have not even been on the map. It was so bad. So that was an extremely humbling experience. Like when I think back to all of the times we would be at different matches, like it was like embarrassing, like really, really bad. But at the same time, it was like, this is your school. Like you're going to own your colors and you're going to also own your love and your drive. And 
who are you in this, right? Like, who are you in this process? And it's not about you. Like, you take ownership of you. You take ownership of being the best that you possibly can be. But you can allow your ego to get in the way. And I watched a lot of my peers do that. And so that was like a really pivotal moment in like my young life. And I should mention to you guys that I went into high school at 13. So I was young, a youngin. And so that kind of kicked it off for me, but I was in love with the sport and I just kept going to camps and just kept being awful at camps and (laughs) just learning and going, being, putting myself in places. I literally would be at these camps and go um, to different, you know, open gyms and be maybe like one of the worst people there volleyball wise. But I was like, there's only one way to get better. Like get reps, watch people, like get coached in different ways. And I did, I just kept going. Um, but I kept playing multiple sports and I kept, you know, continuing being active, like within my school. And I think you asked me a question about, I I loved school and, um, it didn't mean that it came easy. I was not, and I'm still not this person. I was not the student that could just show up and be like, next day, take a test and get an, an A on it. No, I was not that person. Smart. I mean, I'll give myself that credit. I'm smart, but I was so my perfectionism um, would, I was like ferociously, right? Like I had to take every note, all of those things. And um, where the, the subject matters that maybe were a struggle for me, I would just kind of take the same approach that I did with like my love for volleyball. Like my why was bigger than my, that class, if that makes sense. So while I might've not loved calculus, calculus, getting a good grade in that class was going to, or pre-calc, whatever it was I took at the time was going to be a determining factor of my end result facilitating my why. So I was the kid that was like, all right, if it's important to me to graduate with honors and it's important to me to do these things, what do I have to do work backwards in order to achieve that, even though I hate and I don't like this? Okay. That meant I'm going to give up some lunches and I'm going to go get some tutoring. That meant, okay, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to say no to this to say yes, because the why was bigger for me. And um, I, I state that humbly. I was unapologetically driven to accomplish those things that I wanted. And I was going to wear that white robe on graduation day, no matter what. And so I did. And I did it with a lot of, um, a lot of mental fortitude and sacrifice and humility. Um, I mean, I can remember sitting in at like lunchtime with my math teacher, just being like, this is so bad, but okay. Like, let's do this. We're like freshmen in my class and I'm like a junior, you know, but whatever, you know, I didn't care. I just went for it. So junior year, um, I or sophomore year, I played on a semi, uh, like it was like a not full commitment travel volleyball team. And my parents, honestly, I think in a lot of ways, we're going to make me work for it. And my dad was like, if this is what you want, then you're going to bloom where you're planted. Like you're not going to go from just kind of like a baseline attending camps to all of a sudden now, you know, it's expensive to play club sports and to travel and it's a sacrifice on your family and it's a sacrifice, you know, when you have siblings, et cetera. So my mom and dad, they busted their ass to give my brother and I like a really great life, but they also had us take ownership of that, you know, and making sure we were all in. And so I did, I did a semi travel and then my junior year, I played on a travel team and then my senior year, same thing. I continued to just get more serious about it. And it started I, I had decided, I, th- I guess I'm, you know, talking in this circle here. I'm sorry, you guys, but um, it was really my sophomore year that I had no idea what sport 
it would be, but I was like, I'm going to play a sport in college. And so it was that year that I had made that decision. And then when I started falling in love with volleyball, I was like, this is going to be it. Like, this will be the sport that I play collegially and I'm going to do it. I'm going to be a part of that small percentage of athletes, that small percentage of female athletes to get something and um, I'm going to do it. And so I did. Um, I eventually just like, like I said, worked my way through and um, I worked my way through with absolute humility and I got to the end of high school and unfortunately in California, I'm hopefully it's better now. I have no idea, but unfortunately in California, they, um, they don't like to talk about all of the other amazing schools that are out there. They're very like you're going one of three directions. Like when you're talking about going to college and they want you, they're either like, you're going to go to, you know, a a UC school in California or a California state university school, or you're just going to go to junior college kind of thing. Like it's like, they don't talk about, I mean, speaking of Colorado, I mean, like, why did anybody tell me about these cool places out here? You know what I mean? Like, so it's just, it's interesting. And I always try to share that anytime I'm interviewed, because for anybody who has kids out there, like, make sure they understand and I mean my parents were so great like my dad obviously went to college out of state but like it was just trying to figure out like what's the best fit for me and I remember sitting in the counselor's office being like um I don't want to go to any of those schools (laughs) you know what I mean like no like I don't want to go to school at any of those places and so I ended up deciding I was like okay I'll go out of state and I was getting some offers for volleyball but really like small, like small schools, which would be fine. And I went on some recruiting trips. Um, but it just didn't like hit the mark for what I wanted to do for school and what I wanted to do volleyball wise. And even though I wasn't incredibly clear that I was going to go in this like wellness direction, in fact, still at that time, my senior year, I I thought like what I do now was like my hobby. Like I never was going to do that for a living. And, um, I wanted, you know, I love to write and I loved all of I loved English lit. One of my biggest impacts was a gal named Leslie Shortman. Literally, she's like five one, and just a huge impact on my life. And I really wanted to pursue similar, um, similar kind of professional field and route that she did. And she would always tell me, she was like, "You've got this gift. Like you've got to go down this path. Like why don't you want to do it?" I'm like, "It's just my hobby." So anyhow. Um, I decided I was going to forego playing that dream and I'm just going to go to school because my ego got the best of me. I was like, I am worked so hard to graduate with honors and why would I go to junior college? Like that's pathetic because that's how they labeled it. They labeled junior college as pathetic and little did my naive self know at 17 that there's actually junior colleges that are feeder schools for athletes, like that strategically go to JC. So they have a better opportunity I didn't know that. And so finally my dad, cause he never really interfered with anything. They always guided us. He was like, let me talk to you about a couple things. And then shortly after, or I'm sorry, before he talked to me about that, I got a call from the junior, one of the junior colleges that was a feeder school coach. And he was like, listen, I know you're like, why are you calling me? You have, I've seen your, you know, your transcripts and you're thinking you don't belong at junior college, but can I just, you know, share with you, like you can continue to get better and better opportunities for recruiting. If you just, if we just like increase your exposure to higher level play. So I did, and uh, I took the call and then my dad talked to me about it and he was like, listen, you know, like explain to me about junior college. I, you know, quieted my ego and I went for it. And those were two of my best years of my life was at JC. And I know you said to end with high school. So I'll stop right there.
Okay, perfect, perfect. Okay, now, um, one thing I want to touch on is uh, your your life lesson that kind of continues to reoccur. And you said it it that the power of living your truth kind of came into your life when you were in high school. So was that in regards to you deciding, hey, like I want to be a college volleyball player, or what was it uh, at that point in high school where the power of living your truth kind of came uh, into your being, so to speak? Yeah, I would say it was a combination of two. So um, I humbly share that I feel like it was high school when I really felt myself get called to like step into a place of leadership. Mm-hmm. And through being like just how I was in sports and just kind of naturally leading to being like named the captain to being like just really taking ownership of that role and what my why behind it was. And I, again, I humbly share that my why was never like, again, my maiden name was Nicole Denneke. It wasn't ever like Nicole Denneke, like has the spot. It was like, no, like I'm going to rally the troops. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to bring us all together. And like, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're going to silence the caddy bullshit, like amongst women and all of the differences. Once again, like there was a lot of differences amongst us all in high school. And, you know, I was one of, I think three Caucasian gals on the team. Like there was a lot, there was a lot of intense things. And it was like, again, our coach had her own dynamics and everything. And it was like, no, like, here's our common ground. Here's what we're going to do. And we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Well, we're going to look sharp. We're going to, again, we were freaking awful. Okay. Well, that doesn't give us an excuse to act like a bunch of renegades. Like it just validates, like, you know, what people think about this chaos. It's like, no. And having some pride in your process, having some standards, you know, having a follow through in that and um, just continually refining that. And then once I got exposure to strength training, mm-hmm. plyometrics, speed and agility, and again, all of this was being led and directed by just like a bunch of I was surrounded by a bunch of male athletes and like male, amazing, you know, mentors, but it was like, how, where, and I remember being like, where do I find like my kind of place in this and be able to like share it? Because with my dad's experience, I obviously got exposure to collegiate high level collegiate athletes and like pros and just with what he had going on. But like my people around me weren't doing that, you know what I mean? So it's like, how do you deliver that? And so that was like me stepping into one of the first times, like stepping into this like resistance, but being like, just staying in the course, like believing in something and understanding that it started with me. It started with me following through. It started with me, you know, dotting my eyes, crossing my T's and being consistent. And, you know, we hear this all the time, like leading by example. So it doesn't matter what I say to you. If I'm not doing it, if I'm not living it, you're not going to follow me. Or you're not going to want to join what I'm doing if you don't know the result of it, right? And so I would say that was part one. Part two was deciding like to speak that truth when I was like, I'm going to be a collegiate athlete. And again, saying that, but not even knowing, I didn't even know I was going to be a, like, I never even identified as like volleyball collegiate athlete. I was like, I'm going to play a sport in college. I don't know what it's going to be yet, <laughs> but I'm doing this. And so then it's like, you know, start like studying people. Like, how are they doing this? What does it look like? Like, Again, I'm old enough to say this, like looking the stats in the newspaper, you know what I mean? But I never, I still to this day, and I say stats, like I wasn't that kid that was like, you know, she had like this, you know, like hitting ratio, whatever it was like, what do they do? 
Like, what are they committing their time? You know, like, what does this look like? How do they carry themselves? And then it was, you know, getting involved in class council and like sitting in on something and being like, I have no idea what all of you guys are talking about. Like, I don't know, but you know what I do know is I'll work my ass off and I'll learn. Okay, cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'll be your grunt. Like, let's do this. And then going in kind of at that like grunt level, like absolutely no problem with knowing that maybe my like greater goal was eventually to like be the person leading the pack, but I was willing and desired to like learn the process. And because how can I edit your process if I'm not even in it? You know, like that's not fair. That's just me coming in and barking in order. So I would say that was a huge part of it. And then another part of that aspect of living my truth was like the absolute, you know, um, like a whole other story, but this particular teacher that impacted my life so much, I was like the first time that I really kind of became really well acquainted with like being so dialed into details and per kind of some perfectionism and how it was starting to interfere like with my life. And um, I remember coming home one day from high school and my mom and dad were like, listen, okay, <laughs> you, you can't do 110% in everything. Like there's only 24 hours in a day. And while that seems admirable that you desire that it's actually a fault. So like, we're going to, let's bring this to light and like, let's help understand like that you can't sustain this. You know, you have to have boundaries. You have to have an understanding that you might not do everything tonight. Like, and that was their born time management, right? Like there, there went understanding, prioritize and execute. Like they're born this whole concept of understanding that it's not about this thing being perfect. And then all is well, it's like, does that matter? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is that relevant in serving your truth? What, what are you doing? And so with that, I like struggled with, uh, I'm sure you guys can laugh on this, but I really struggled with like when we'd have timed writing assignments, like really, that was like the first time I have ever um, like experienced any sort of like anxiety. And um, my, my dad, like when we're driving to school, because again, I got this great privilege to go to school where he taught and coached he would always be like, why are you like so wound about this? And I it just like, I couldn't even explain it, you know, like it was so ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so I had to work through that, but that was a pivotal point in my life because it was a clear example of debilitating your own, mm-hmm. your own progress and your own success because you're so wrapped up into something. And so I kept trying to like fight through it. So I got an opportunity to be in this woman's um, English class. And I just, we had this out, she was an outstanding mentor. And still to this day, like one of my, she's like in my corner, like it's incredible. Um, And she helped me. She helped me work through that. And she helped me work through it by simply being like, this is what we're going to (laughs) do. And this is why we're going to do it. And you're going to do it and you're going to do it and be bad at it. And you're going to make mistakes and you're going to have to get through by moving through stopping and avoiding something and not facing it. It's not going to get you anywhere in life. And as silly as a timed essay, (laughs) um, paralyzation seems it was an epic door open to my whole life of just 
really facing something head on. And, you know, I, I'm going to throw this out because I know it's a controversial thing in our world today is like parents, people of power, are like, oh, just that's not for you. Go the other direction. And it's like, no, like we do such a disservice to ourselves that into our children, into our peers by doing things like that, instead of giving people permission to also be bad at something, <laughs> like be bad and you're still going to finish. You know what I mean? Like you don't get better if you don't put in the reps, if you don't put in the time, if you don't work through those things. And you might actually never even know that you're probably really good at it. I am actually a pretty damn good writer, but it was like, I never would have gotten to that if I wouldn't have worked through that. And also we're our own worst critique. And so we also have to live with that, you know? So I feel like that was a pivotal moment if I answered your question. Yes, absolutely. I love it, uh, Nicole. Okay. So let's, uh, let's, let's um, step into college. So you, you mentioned uh, lightly uh, that you went to a JUCO for a couple of years. It was like two of the best years of your life, you said. Um, so first of all, just, I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on, on, on JUCO just because I, I want to get into more of your story and kind of get uh, to where you're at today and the, the business stuff. But why was those two years so pivotal or, or impactful or, or fun or however you kind of want to word that for you? And then after the two years at JUCO, where did you transfer into? Yeah, great questions. <laughs> um, I would say that they they were packed with a lot of like obstacle. It was the first time I had ever experienced a life-changing injury. Mm -hmm. And um, so I will say that they were amazing years, but they also were packed with challenge. And I believe that things in our lives happen for truly for a reason. And I believe that that pivotal moment in my life at 17 was something that like was a gift. Honestly, it was a gift given to me because it gave me a complete transformation in headspace, physical discipline and ability to connect with people that I would have, I think I would have been able to do in other ways, but it, it changed me forever. So I would say they were impactful. I met some incredible friends during those years. I remembered who I, I remembered who those people were in my life that still are there to this day. Um, so I mentioned early on in this interview that my family were always my people, but it was high school that I met, you know, three of the most incredible, you know, friends of a lifetime. And I still am in touch with them. One in which is like a sister to me. And so it was like an incredible time to really understand, like, where did I come from? Where am I going? What do I want? And it was the second time in my life, a pivotal moment of being like called into like living my truth. And so here you are, you know, I was not obviously like far from home, et cetera, but none of that mattered. It was like, you just like entered in to this junior college that was a feeder, like I said, for sports. And so you just like opened the doors to all of, of course, there was like your everyday folk that were just like going to school, whatever, but you on the athletic side, you were literally surrounded by so many athletes who were like, I'm freaking here because this is my like pit stop before the next place. And that was cool. Like that was a, like, that's as simple of a word. It was a really cool experience. I had some incredible professors. I felt like the professors at the junior college level were very like vested still in their educational delivery, which was really fun. That was also the time that I had decided, okay, I'm going to go and pursue a degree in kinesiology, exercise science. And, um, 
really got an opportunity to like harness my leadership voice as far as like in the athletic field. And that was really fun. It was really fun to be able to step into that superpower and get really comfortable with that and to bring something to my peers that not everyone was exposed to. And that was, I, I was lucky. I, I got exposed to strength training and plyos and all these things that like high level colleges were doing with their athletes, but not many, um, not many young women were doing that at the level that I was doing prior to going into there. So it was just super fun for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did, like I said, experience an injury that was life-changing and, um, I did end up sitting out from competing my freshman year. And because I was so young, my coach had recommended that I did not use a medical red shirt. And I just basically allowed myself to kind of not start my clock, which was great advice, um, at that time and busted my ass and got really connected to some other strength conditioning coaches and recovery aspects. And I came back an absolute beast for that next season, won a starting position, got an opportunity to go to what like in football would be like a combine. So it was like an opportunity where like a show, it was called a showcase at the time. And I got recruited by a few schools and um, I ended up making a decision to go to a small little division two in Northern California. And um, (laughs) that was a wild experience. So I made the decision to go, uh, you know, I was so here, I had this dream to be a collegiate athlete and I was holding on to that. But I also like really had a dream to like go to a school that like bled their colors. You know what I mean? Like I really wanted to go somewhere that like was like, yeah, like I'm an alumni here. Um, I wouldn't quite say at that time, it's transpired now, the school that I've, you know, and I've come back around, I donate alumni, all those things. But so I went to CSU Monterey Bay and it is on old Ford Ord base. And yeah, so that just kind of kicks off. It was like in a, I went there at a really pivotal time. So it was a pivotal time because they had just began, um, I think they were like one or two years in to becoming a division two. Um, the coach that recruited me, the whole staff that recruited me got fired before I started. <laughs> so here I was, you know, two years into school, getting there, like my whole life set up on my trip. I get there and they're like, yeah, there's like a new boss in town, new setup, like new, all these things. So my humble ass got moved into the dorms and I was like, it's not the plan, my friends. So um, that was an interesting experience. I'm glad that I have it so I can like relate to other people, but wow. Um, So yeah, that was step two of absolute humility is like transferring there and the old coaching regime was fired, but the whole team that was there important to know there was seven seniors Mm. on this team so I knew for sure that I was probably not getting like an insane amount of playing time and we'll just call it like so in like the man's world they call it like the good old boys club well in the women's world it was like mean girls club um and it was like who is this southern california b that joined the team that is like doesn't need the coach to tell her what to do like this chick is dialed. And so I stepped into this environment and was like, like, this is, this is going to be something, right? Like I've got my ass moved into the dorms with a roommate and all of these people are a bunch of like loose cannons. And 
Um, your girl loves to have fun, but I was like, I am here for a reason. And I said yes to this opportunity for a reason. And I'm not here to be spending my nights at the mucky duck with y'all. Like, it's not what my thing is. So, um, you know, as exciting and rewarding as it was, um, it was something and my, um, I'm going to be really upfront and really honest, even if this is listened to by anybody in that group, um, that was an incredibly, um, probably the first experience of my lifetime to have a kind of dynamic with adults that didn't truly. So I'm talking now about my coaching staff, um, have a dynamic with adults who hadn't really harnessed their core values and their sense of self. And it was an epic learning lesson for me that whoever I become, I will never become that. And um, it was hard. It was a really challenging time um, in the sense of, you know, my guiding principles are, you know, integrity. And it was just what, one of those things where there was manipulation, there was just like lack of, and that's what I just, I'm going to attribute to. I really think that they struggled to truly know like their strengths and superpowers and be really good in their own skin and their core values and getting exposed to that at a, as a young adult and having it impact my life um, in a lot of different ways was like, again, I think things happen to your life. I wouldn't wish this like upon my daughter and her, you know, adult years, but it like, God gave me that gift for a reason. And that gift was for me to understand who I will never become. And also though, to see how quickly it can happen, like how quickly we can be tested and how when you're tested and you're not clear and you're not like strong in your non-negotiables, how negatively the impact can cascade down. And um, so for that, I can, you know, I've obviously like forgiven and moved on, but like there was some chapters of my life that got robbed, but simultaneously while that was happening, my collegiate career, I got an opportunity to study under some of the most incredible professors in the, in the nation and these professors. So I, like I said, I went to school for exercise science. These professors came from incredibly, impactful like large universities and they decided to come to this small school because they essentially could have like their own exercise science lab and they could have these like small curated classes be able to run research out of there be able to like really launch some cool things under their name with like get grant money and do those types of things and still to this day um i keep in touch with my one main professor and i publish student research and um that, I'll never forget that. And I'm so thankful to have that connection and being able to study under some of the most profound people in the strength conditioning world and exercise science world. And so it was like this dichotomy, right? Like it was like, this was my dream of being able to be a collegiate athlete and do all of these things. But it was like, it rocked me. Like it was like, I was not only going to have to work for and earn in, when I say work for and earn, it was more in the sense of like, how bad do you want to align with this? You know, like, because at any given time I could have been like, I'm out. Like, and I watched a handful of my peers do that. Like, this is not that important to me. And so it was that next time that most significant, next significant time of like, what's my truth? Why am I doing this? What, what am I doing? What do I want out of it? 
And while, of course, I would love to be like, yeah, like check out my stats, like, you know what I mean? Like, and look all these different things. It's like, it was that humble reminder of, are you even going to ask me that on this podcast when I'm 90 and I'm crushing life? Are you going to be like, tell me about like the most awesome serve you had? No, you're going to ask like, what shaped me? What impact, what is my legacy? And so that was my, my first true exposure to what is my why? Am I living it? And these people are not going to interfere with that. So. Perfect. Love it. Okay. So um, you studied exercise science in school in college. Um, and you talked about having some very impactful professors. Now, what, what, when you were in college, okay, studying exercise science at that time, what did you, what were you thinking that you were going to do or uh, pursue with that degree? And then kind of walk us through once you graduated, how did life kind of unfold in terms of your career direction that you thought you were going to take in college? Did it kind of unfold perfectly or were there some uh, twists and turns, so to speak? There was some twists and turns. It started, started out to roll. So I was going to be a collegiate strength conditioning coach. I was going to be one of the few women at the time mm. to really like put my name on the books. Like I was, that was my thing. Like I was going to be this, like in my head, I was going to be this like feminine, powerful, like force, like show that dichotomy of being. Um, and I think this is like important. It'll kick off kind of the latter part of my story in my life and kind of where I'm at now. But I wanted so badly to be able to like show that like women can be this like ultimate, like beautiful, like feminine, badass, like goddess, but also like hold the line and have like, they could have it all. Like you want to be a mom one day, marry all these different things. Like I wanted to show like, what is like a well put together in my, uh, I guess my opinion, what is a well put together woman look like? kicking your ass <laughs> and I um you know I I was dedicated to that and I was dedicated to filling out that role as I would go to conferences again I feel like I'm old enough to say that now like conferences were a big deal like you know you know, that's where you like connected with people was going to like the strength conditioning conference or the American College of Sports Medicine or like all of these other ones and that was like my jam you know like going to interact with these, you know, men and women. And I still felt like this, like super, and I do to this day, like super solid tie to like veterans and just tactical. And, um, and so I was like, I'm going to bring that edge. Like I'm going to do it. And I got an opportunity, believe it or not. And I got hired as a strength conditioning coach. Um, so I guess, let me back it up. I got my, I got certifications while I was in college, but I never, ever intended to work in the fitness, like the fitness industry. I was like, no. So while um, I was in college, I had connected with a gal that owned like a boutique, believe it or not, a boutique, like spin yoga and personal training studio. And I got an opportunity to kind of help her run this place and kind of make, you know, my own little vibe there. And, um, I was like training one of the athletic directors, wives, like, Oh, it, it was like a hobby for me. Like I never was intending. And so then I got, also, I got hired, believe it or not, from the same coaching staff that I played for, they quickly realized like this chick, like we can't like let it go. So I wrote, um, the whole strength conditioning program. Like I transformed the whole like university experience, um, with the volleyball team and had an opportunity to connect with some of the other coaches and like change things up. And um, 
So I got hired to do that. And then I also connected and worked for, bless them, I don't even know if they're around anymore, but it was a publishing and production company for wellness, sports. Like again, before there was podcasts and before there was social media, you know, fitness and um, wellness professionals and doctors and coaches, like when they wrote books or they like published keynote speaking, like this company was like a leader in that. And um, believe it or not, they were out of a small town, like right near where my university was. So I also worked for them. And so I worked for them, worked as a strength coach. And I, I was, I will tell you, that was like the, the time I validated that I'm like not a sit in the office kind of gal because I would get there and we mostly worked with East coast people, but like, we couldn't start work until 7am. And I was like, what? It's already nine with the people that we work with, you know? And so I like took over this guy's job and, um, while still working as a strength conditioning coach. And I was like, okay, it'd be like 12 o'clock. I'm like, all right, what are we doing now? You know? And they were like, you still have like five more hours of work. And I'm like, but what am I going to do? Like I'm done. I've done everything. So anyways, I quickly realized your girl is not a corner office kind of gal. She's not going to sit there for, you know, eight, nine hours doing nothing. Um, but I got to travel with that company. So when I was traveling, it was awesome. I mean, it was a lot of work because you're like schlucking, like they would like ship. If I could drive, I had to drive this van. But if I, if I couldn't, they would fly me and then like freight ship all of the products. And I would have to like unload it all and set up the whole thing. But I was like, it was epic. I loved it. I was living the dream at that time. Um, so anyways, I was doing that, loving it. And that was like my first like sign where I was just like, okay, this is cool. And I love this world and I'm going to like naturally like continue going through my education because that's just like what you do. And I'm going to have those little letters behind my name. And I was so on that track and I was in this like headspace in this world of like, this is what my peers are doing. There's like a select few of us that like published research. So our name was starting to get out there and I was like in it. Right. And, um, like long, really, really long story short that December, um, 2009, I went home for Christmas and my brother ended up having like a life transforming, um, open heart surgery. Mm -hmm. And again, it's a really long story and a very fluke thing. He had an aneurysm and that was about to burst. And it was just, I literally was like, I resigned Mm -hmm. from everything. I closed my bedroom door that I rented at this house that I rented with one of my peers. And I was like, I don't know when I'll be back, but I'm moving back to San Diego. And so I did. So 2009, I moved back and I spent the year helping my brother, just being with my family and helping my brother like recover and come back. He was 24 at the time and just come back into like whatever that was going to be for him. And that was like, you know, those like shaker bottles, (laughs) (laughs) that was what my life like felt like but it was like a non-negotiable like I I didn't even like look back I was like I am going home this is where I'm gonna be and so like any natural Italian family my grandfather was like well Nicole like you're here in the restaurant could really use like you know some help and you know I really need you to keep an eye on things like you could like manage and so there I was back you know college educated (laughs) like serving coffee and eggs and running the good old H&H for my grandfather and um so yeah I went back was part of the only businesses again and um but you know what it did for me when I moved back was it put me right back into 
like what I wanted out of my life. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted out of my life was to be able to lead women to understand that it's more than just the one thing that you're doing or you're a part of. And so getting resubmerged back into that and checking back in with like, is what I'm currently doing facilitating that process? Or is this just like the process I think I need to keep going down? So that was a pretty pivotal. So I decided at that time um, that I was going to go back to school. At that time, they just had changed the programming for physical therapy. And I thought I was going to go back to school for biomechanics. And I was like, no, that's like, what am I going to do with this? So they had just changed the degree for physical therapy into the doctorate. So there was like, I was looking at all different programs. So I went back to junior college to add on pro, uh, more chemistry and all kinds of other stuff on there. So there I was back at home, working at the restaurant <laughs> and went back to school. And I did, I went back to school. Then I was working for a physical therapist and that was another absolutely transformative point in my life. Um, I was driven. I literally was so committed to this cause of like going back to school and what I was going to do. And at that time I was like, um, I kind of narrowed down that I wanted to work with in some way, like veterans or law enforcement in the sense of helping to like refine their life after like service, if something had happened to them. So keep that as in mind. So I was working for this PT who just kind of regular straightforward PT. However, he had an alliance with this incredible organization called Project Walk. And people come from all over the world to go to Project Walk and when they paralyze, et cetera. And I, I thought that I had some insane grit. And I thought that like my like emotional grit was solid, but working with these people that would come into this PT office, I just like, I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I feel like I'm going to cry, like talking about it. Like, I'm like, I don't know if I, like, it really tested me in the sense of, um, like, not like the mental grit and the emotional grit, but like, fuck, like your life, like they're this young, and it was this family that like really challenged, changed me. And they came from Australia and it was this young boy. He literally is 15 years old. They have dirt bike track all around their house and have been riding their whole life. And he literally, the same jump he went off a thousand times before went off it in a different way, landed, and here he was. So here this mom was with her kids back, like here going through Project Walk, et cetera. And it was like, that was it for me. I was like, okay, maybe that's not like the category I'm going to focus on. <laughs> and, but it, it like made me such a better freaking person. Like it was just transformative. So anyhow, I finished out, I finished all my classes, got myself already. I applied, I sent in my applications, you know, it's like this, like a hundred pages of your whole life and all everything you're doing. And I turned it in, got it whatever postmarked and I remember my mom drove with me and I dropped it she was like got back to the car and she was like how do you feel and I was like I don't want to do this <laughs> and she was like what and I'm like yeah I don't think this is for me like I I I don't think like PT is where I'm gonna thrive like I don't think that like this is where my magic is meant to give I, I just don't know and she was like fair enough and she's like well let's see like let's see what happens like maybe you're just like a little fatigued from you know the amount of work you've been doing for the last year and I was like okay fair enough so I started applying for like other grad schools etc at the same time 
And um, again, at this time, PT had just gone into a doctoral program and there was only one university in California that offered the doctoral program. So it was pretty competitive. So I got everything in and I was like, I was done. I was like, I'm going another direction, but I was like, we'll hear it out. I'm going to finish it out. And um, I ended up getting deferred and I was like, yes, this is the answer like to what I needed. Like deferred is perfect. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yes. And um, yeah, I just like never looked back with it and kept going and applying and I was still working as a, so now I was working as a trainer at this time. I decided, I was like, I can do this in my, like, I do this all the time. So I went to go work for the good old 24-hour fitness. Mm. Shit. If you want to build yourself and your character, go and work there. Awesome. So (laughs) I decided to go and work there at the same time while I was applying. And um, and I was like, okay, I'm going to pick five places to apply to like five different States to go because I just like, I am a beach girl. Like the ocean is my soul. I love the mountains. I always dreamt of both lives, but the ocean is like where I reside. And, or my brother on the other hand was like, peace out California. Like I'm done with this. And I was always like, if I have like the right career calling or like, you know, if I meet somebody that like brings me to somewhere else, like we're just going to see where it maybe takes me. Otherwise I need to be by the ocean and, or I need like some wild city adventure. And so one of the gals that I played volleyball with had decided to like leave the regular school sect, just important note and like go into culinary school. She was like this super talented baker. Even when we were like in college, it was insane. She would bake these crazy, beautiful, like cakes. So she was like, I'm out and going to New York. So she moves to New York. And this is like when New York is like popping and it's cool. And so I'm like, all right, I have nothing. Like I have nothing tying me. Like I'm going to New York. So I go and I go visit her and I'm like, this is it for me. Like I am going like little Oceanside, California girls moving to the big city. And so I did. My parents were like, you're crazy, but okay. And so I did. So I was like, okay, so like setting my whole life up and this childhood best friend that I mentioned to you, I was like, you're coming with me. Like we're going to pick five places, I'll apply to five places, but we're going to New York. And she was like, you're crazy, but okay. I'm like, we're going to like live in like a little 200 square foot. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be great. <laughs> like I took all these photos and I was like, this is going to be so fun. Like all of the greatest like fitness places and like fashion and food, blah, whatever. And she was like, again, you're crazy, but I'll go with you. So this is 2010 rolling through here. Cause my brother had his one year anniversary And in that meantime, other friends of mine that I had made through college and their siblings had lived out, one of the siblings had lived out here in Colorado. I'd always loved Colorado people, like the old time Colorado people. And um, I always just thought like the guys from here were just like good men. I'm like, these are like a bunch of like good men. You know what I mean? Like they're like outdoorsy and, but they're like kind and like respectful, but they're like men's men. I'm like, I like this. And like all of them, it was fun. So the why they called it like Manver at one time. I don't think that's the same anymore. But anyways, every guy I met from Colorado was just so cool. Like they were, it was just a really great experience. And so this guy friend of mine, his sister lived out here and I kept in touch with them. And then he had moved out here and he was one of besties. And he was like, you should move to Colorado. And this other friend of mine was like, yeah, Colorado would be great. I'm like, we're going to New York. Like, and then I said, well, fine, I'll apply. You know, so I started applying to all these schools. Well, in the meantime, this friend of mine and his sister and boyfriend that lived here, they were like, we've got this great idea. We have the perfect guy for you. 
Mm. And I was like, no, like, no, I don't want the perfect guy. Like, I don't want a boyfriend. I don't want any interference. Like my life has had this blender bottle experience. Like, no, I was 23 at the time. I'm like, I have just put my life like kind of on pause and important to note, like while I dated and had, you know, a couple serious relationships, I was like, I ain't got time for that. Like I am on a mission and I am not ready for that right now. So no, like I'm doing me. And I had just like broken this like amazing guy's heart. That was awesome. He was a good guy, but I was like, I'm not trying to like settle down right now. So anyways, they just kept bothering me about this perfect guy here in Colorado. And so finally, so again, coming back to this big Italian family I have in the grocery store in the office, because that's how Italians do things is like all the family gathers in one area. So I get this message from this friend that's like, listen, we're driving with this guy and he really wants to know if he can have your phone number. And like, I think he said like your boy. And I was like, first off, he's not my boy. And second off, like, you can give him my number, but you can let him know, like, I'm pretty busy. And I was thinking, because again, social media is new at this time. I'm like, this guy is going to like Facebook message me or like something awful, but that will be perfect. Cause then that will be the end of his fate. Not going to work for me. Oh, man. So it keeps going and I get, they like send, she sends me like photos of him and like, but it's like him and all of these other dudes. And I'm like, well, which one is the guy, you know? And so all my aunts are like around me and my mom and in comes all these photos. And so then she like, you know, tells me who it is. And I'm like, this is the guy you marry. Like, no, I don't want to meet this guy right now. And my mom was like, oh man, like she knew. And I was like, I just know. But okay, so that goes and I'm staying my plan. Me and my bestie were applying, we're doing all these things. And they give this guy my phone number and you know time's rolling I'm doing my life I'm all of these things and I'm driving home and at the time I drove this Toyota Tacoma lifted it was white like super California girl right driving down the highway windows down and my phone rings and I answer because I had clients at the time and nobody had their like OG you know area code anymore so I answer I'm like hi this is Nicole and who is it the guy and we talked like we had been friends forever and that guy is now my husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, yeah, fast forward, we, you know, I was so stubborn. Like I, we had this insane like connection. It was bizarre. Like God knew there was this like plan and, and I was like, no, but I was so stubborn. Like by like day three of talking to him, it was like the kind of conversations that you could just talk nonstop, you know? And, and he was like, I got to meet you. Like, I want to fly you out here. And I was like, I can fly myself out there. He was like, whoa, crazy. Like, I didn't say you can't, but like, um, I want to meet you and, you know, et cetera. So anyways, with our lives and our schedules, like we couldn't meet in person for like just over a month. And so we like forged this like deep connection and friendship through communication and writing and talking and all of that. And such a, a next like beautiful, like life lesson of truth of, what deep connection and vulnerability actually looks like. And so I held the line of like, I'm moving just so you know, I'm moving to New York. And he was like, okay, well, I guess we're going to be like Colorado to New York. And I'm like, okay. And so, okay. Like just over a month later, I fly out here to meet him and in person. And it was like, we had known each other for years, but like I had just traveled or something and like we were reconnecting. And I was like, like, this is the guy I'm going to marry. 
And I was like, I guess I'm moving to Colorado. Mm. And even though it was one of the five places. So at that time I was still like my bestie. I was like, well, we're going to move out here together. And then honestly, she was like, you are like in love, like all these things. So after six or seven months of doing back and forth between San Diego and Colorado, I um, moved out here and I accidentally started a personal training business. Mm. Okay. Now, now, okay. So let's, we're going to get into uh, that, but uh, in terms of, uh, well, he was like your boyfriend at the time, your husband currently, but um, was he then like in the Denver area or was he somewhere else in Colorado? Where did you move to Colorado when you first moved out? Is it kind of the same place you're at now? Oh, no. So my husband, so my now husband, who was my boyfriend, he's from here and um, he lived in two places because he worked up in the mountains. And so he had a place in the mountains and then a place down here in Arvada. But I got a place because I didn't know anything in Colorado, anything cool. So my first place, you guys are ready for this. I found this adorable little apartment complex called Bradburn Row in Broomfield, Colorado, baby. (laughs) Cool. living the young person's dream yes so yeah I got this cute little apartment in Broomfield because don't forget good old 24-hour fitness I went ahead and got myself a job there at 24-hour and that lasted like four months but so I went ahead I got a job there and then I had this like cute little place right up there and so yeah to answer that question okay now um Okay, so let's let's talk about uh, getting into uh, your your own business now. On a previous podcast, I had Jordan on uh, your the the your the co-owner of Kalo Fitness with you. Um, and if I remember correctly, she and her husband uh, worked at a twenty four hour fitness. So is this how you got connected with Jordan, or did you guys mm-hmm. connect somewhere else along the the path, so to speak? Yeah, many years later. So no, we never worked at 24 Hour together. We actually didn't meet until, um, like I said, long story short, I think it was 2019 when she came to a gym that I had been training at. I rented space from them um, for almost five years and she had just come there and that's where we met. Okay, okay. So okay. I moved out oh. here in 2011. Okay, so so let's, uh, I, I just want to quickly just share about working at the 24 Hour Fitness for a few months and then kind of getting into your own training stuff because I, I want to finish up our time, Nicole, kind of talking about Kalo and, and how that started and your relationship with Jordan, all that. So why don't you uh, as quickly as you can take us from Broomfield, Colorado, 24 hour fitness to uh, uh, Kalo fitness and then stop there. Just kind of give us the in-between at, at that point. Yeah. So I moved out here in 2011 and I worked for a 24 hour fitness in Broomfield. And it was honestly an opportunity for me to just get my feet on the ground um, and get to know some people because in my entrepreneurial driven headspace, like your people aren't your boyfriend's friend group. And so I also was on a mission to like meet people on my own and get to know Colorado. And um, like when I mentioned, I accidentally started a personal training business. That's what my you know, my degree, my background, et cetera. So I was like, this is a no brainer for me to get started. So I was working there, kind of getting my feet on the ground. One of my very first clients at that 24 hour fitness, um, connected me with the corporation that she worked for and got me an op. She was like, listen, I know you seem like you're really busy. However, can you drop your resume? And we're looking for somebody to run a corporate wellness program. And that was in downtown Denver. 
that at the same time happened with a, again, this was 2011. It was still new for like personal training gyms and kind of boutique spots to be evolving. Um, but somebody had approached me on the floor at 24 fitness and was like, you, sh- you know, you should, you don't belong here. You should come check out and think about starting, you know, your own gig and rent space at this personal training studio. So great. So I was like, all right. So at that same time, I was working at 24 hour. I started my own LLC and started running my own clients out of this personal training gym. And then at that same time, I met somebody who, I don't know if you guys, anybody remembers complete nutrition, but it was a nutrition company. I said yes to working with them. Didn't give two shits about supplements and all of the propaganda around it. But I was like, great, another opportunity to, you know, um, get to know people and stretch myself to all over Colorado. Mm. So at the time I was working in four different roles and really just trying to like get an understanding of like, who are my, who are my people? Like what is happening here? Like, where do I want to be? And so let's see, I started August, 2011 at 24 hour. I think I left there in March. Um, so it was a few months there. And then I went completely out on my own. So I owned a business called peak eight fitness and peak eights mantra was mobile fitness anytime, anywhere. And so as I was running this corporate wellness program in downtown Denver, I knew that I strategically wanted to be meeting other people where I could be going and training them in their professional life. They were on the go. So I would either go to their high rise um, apartment complex or condo in downtown, or I would go to their home. I also ran a boot camp in the park. So I really was just like multifaceted in that way, trying to dial in like, who are my people? Who am I meeting? Where do I want to be? Well, like I said, working at that supplement company and just kind of bringing it all together. So when I started out here in Colorado, I really made myself like a jack of all trades of working with men and women and all different kinds of clientele and um, really took a lot of uh, passion and drive of working this corporate wellness programming program and wanting to unify like a very unique company that has like multifaceted kind of employees talking legal all the way down to your customer service all under one house. So it was a really cool experience to be able to head that up. So I did that all the way until I got pregnant with my first child. And then I left that chapter and I really brought myself into downtown Denver. So I was at multiple locations of training my business. I mean, I drove all over the place and that's when I really honed in on downtown Denver So I found again, um, this gym in downtown Denver where I essentially went in and I was like, this is what I'm looking for. I could literally just need a place. Like I was very anti having my own brick and mortar. And my husband was like, why don't you just like open up your own space? I was like, no, I don't want like that a part of my like business plan. And so I weird here I am today. Um, so I essentially just paid rent to be able to utilize this space. And I ran PK out of that space as well. I still had kind of a handful of clients that I trained at a high rise across from the convention center over by Union Station, et cetera. And then I really tapped back into what I had referenced early on in this interview of wanting to dial in my market. And my market was women. And I um, really wanted to dial in this market of serving women of understanding that like your life is like beyond, um, your fitness regimen. And I'm just going to call it out for what it was. I absolutely hated the industry that I was in. I like fought my way to get out of it a million times and I never felt like I belonged. I couldn't find my people. Um, I was like, this is awful. Like, what am I doing? And, um, it's no like point out to like any of my peers around me. It just like, wasn't my thing. Like I just um, wasn't a fitness competitor. 
I didn't believe that the only way that you could be successful was, you know, chicken, broccoli and like no seasoning. I didn't believe that um, any of like the facade of like weekend certifications and Instagram validated your expertise. I was cut from a cloth of studying under people who went to college for and not saying that that's the only way to be successful, but like that was the cloth I was cut from was the high level, you know, athletics and strength conditioning. And I just never could like fit into this like realm of people where, um, so yeah, I, I struggled. I'll be honest with you. Like it was a really, really hard time for me. And, but at the same time, I had a killer business, like had a very successful business that I made a lot, you know, humbly, like I made a lot of money doing what I was doing but I felt so unfulfilled and I felt like I was constantly working against my peers because I was like, there's another way, you know what I mean? Like there's, this is not the way, like you're, this is going to expire for you and you're eventually going to get tired of your own bullshit and this narrative. And so anyhow, I just like stayed the course. Cause I was like, all right, well, here we go. And, um, I started doing collaborative events and what I started doing was teaming up with other female owned businesses. And I had launched, um, another sect of my company called buns, biceps and bling. And I like specialized in working with, uh, <laughs> it was awesome. I had some like fun little graphics to it. Uh, but I started curating these whole events, like around like women, like planning their weddings and like celebratory. And I really like channeled my serious 50% of Italian and family um, because I got tired of like women having this like total shit show leading up to their wedding and then like falling apart after getting married. And I'm like, you're missing out again on your why. And anybody can get skinny. Like, do you want to be healthy and have fun or do you want to be, you know, measurable and uh, skinny in your photo and then like hate your life afterwards. So anyway, I started teaming up with different companies. It was awesome. And I was, I was thriving in the sense of like, okay, it took me out of like, from just like running sessions, just programming, just, and again, while all of that's great, I was like, there's so much more. And then started teaming up with like other kinds of businesses to take a little bit more like back into that leadership realm. And so kind of fast forward, I like reached the ultimate threshold of being really done with where um, I was at. And I was like, I got to get out of this. Like, I don't know what it's going to be, but I got to get out. And um, Jordan had started training at this spot that we were renting space from. And actually before Jordan is when I had connected with Georgie. Um, and so I knew Georgie first and I was like, this chick is like, we, we are cut like from this similar cloth. Like I love her, but she was like running a lot of her time outside of the gym that we were both training out. She had just a small amount of clientele and I was like already kind of in a different, you know, direction. So we just kept in touch and then in came, um, Jordan starting to run her business. And I was like, all right, like there's, you know, some other women like, okay. And, um, I was, like I said, on my way out, but I was like, I've got some contacts to make here. And like, long story short, <laughs> I like to use the analogy of, it was like, kind of like when you're like interested in somebody, you like want to go on a date. I was kind of like, all right, I got to get to know this person. And then I'm like, going to give her my pitch. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to let her know like what I'm trying to do and I'm going to go for it. Like, I don't care. And so I did, I was like, went up to her and I essentially was like, um, I told her, I was like, Hey, I'm interested. If you have some space in your schedule, I want to train with you. And so I was like, best way to get to know somebody is when you're training with them. Cause it's like a hairdresser, you know what I mean? <laughs> you just get that one-on-one -on -one time. 
So I did, I started training with her and I was like, all right. And then one day there she was with like her really large headphones and like on the little stair stepper at the gym. And I like went up to her and was like, listen, here's the game plan. Like, kind of like, are you in? Like, like, what do you think about this? And she was very much like, yeah, not like not right now. And I'm all right, cool. Like, here we go. And I just stayed my path. And then I was pregnant with my second child. And she was like, you're like pregnant. Like, let's just wait to see when you have this baby. And I was like, this is not my first rodeo. Like, this is my second child. I have been an entrepreneur for a long time, but cool. Like, that's fine. You know, not a big deal. And the first, I think, thing that she knew when I was serious was a client that I had trained from a long time owned a building and um, was like, listen, this half, like we've been talking, like you might be interested in this. So I called Jordan one day and was like, you want to cut, like, what are you doing? And she happened to have a client cancellation. I was like, I'm parked outside, get in the car. So I like took her to the space and we went and looked at it. And it was like, it was just like too much too soon. You know what I mean? Like, no, like I'm wild and driven, but no. And so, but it was like the first kind of op- first time where she was like, oh, this like chick is serious, <laughs> you know, like she's crazy. And so, okay, that's like November, then December. We just agreed to like continually, like openly share, you know, bigger dreams and understand that like if something worked out, it worked out. If not, no big deal. So, okay, like holidays transpire. January, I hope my friends host a baby shower. I invite her. She comes and she was like, oh man, this girl's like, try this crazy, right? And so then I, to go off on maternity leave like George I hired like these two gals that are um great friends of ours and on our team now and they're like my I subcontracted them out to like run my programming while I was on maternity leave and then you know the whole epic world fail of COVID starts coming through so then you know we all and I knew I was like I'm not coming back to like rent space from here like I, I don't know what I'm gonna do quite yet but like nothing to do with this and um so in that time frame um jordan's kind of navigating her own thing and we touch base on a call and she was like listen i'm like running sessions out of my gym like or i'm sorry out of my garage if you're interested and you want to run some of your sessions and i was like oh yeah you know like i'm just kind of still trying to decide like what i'm going to do like in this industry because i've wanted out but we'll see so i took her up on it and i started training a couple clients then we got an opportunity for our first brick and mortar in wash park And when it kicked off, it kicked off. There was three of us who were kind of talking about like rent, quote unquote, creating a space to rent from. And then it quickly understood that like Jordan and I like had kind of a vision for this space. And, um, and then we, so we just put our heads together and, you know, Kalo started off with us having our own brands and co-creating that brand. Mm. And so it was very much three brands operating out of one roof. Mm. Um, we had, I think it's important and, you know, we, we share the story in similar, but different ways. I know for myself personally, I knew what my bigger vision was. Um, and I knew what I wanted out of it. And I knew that we shared some commonalities of that, but we went in, um, with kind of, like I said, the three business aspect that opened July 6, 2020. And I made like kind of a slow, smooth in that first, cause I just had a baby and I just had a baby. And I also like, did not want to go back. And I was like, okay, I'm coming out of retirement. Like is what it felt like. <laughs> like I'm coming out of retirement to like kick off this business, but okay. And then we just, like I said, we got the ball rolling and it was a very, insane july to december i'll tell you like wild times that we were living in also like you take 
two person, big personalities, similar vision, similar mission. But, you know, the training world is comprised of a lot of I, you know, it's a lot of like, you've built your own brand, you've worked so hard to like, kind of cut this slice out. And um, while we have a lot of similar background, we have a lot of very different, you know, background. And so I, you know, we're not far in age, but we had very different experiences. And um, so it was a beautiful evolution of growth and beautiful evolution of like stepping into your power, into vulnerability, into like clear understanding of the mission and coming back to that. Mm-hmm. And so that's, I'm not sure how far you want me to go into Kalo or if you want to ask specific questions, but that's really just how it kicked off. Yes, no, that's perfect, Nicole. Now, uh, I, I think it's uh, interesting how, like you said, it was kind of like three individuals with kind of their own thing coming together. Now, um, you uh, have been very clear how important it is for you uh, to have like a very clear direction or vision in terms of like, you were kind of searching like, who are my people in terms of your, your training, right? And you said earlier, it's like, I know it's, it's women. Um, so talk a little bit about how uh, the three of you kind of like came together to really focus on women and what, what was and what is um, like your focus with training women specifically. Georgie and I kind of t- touched on a little bit Jordan and I had a conversation. It was like four years ago. I can't remember that conversation at all, but um, just, I think it's unique and it's interesting how three humans can kind of come together with similar, but different experiences uh, to, to kind of, you know, make this business, but streamline the vision, streamline how you guys kind of came together to say, we're going to work with women. And this is how we're going to work with women in terms of health and fitness. Sure. And so let me clarify too. So a couple details here. So when I mentioned the three, so actually Georgie didn't come onto our team for till just over a year ago. So when we kicked off Kalo, I, there was another gal that we had trained with. Um, I guess when we kicked off the idea of opening the space before we even had a name for it, um, there was another gal who was just looking for a space to like train out of. And then she quickly realized like, Oh, Jordan and I have like, like a business vision. And she was like, I don't even really want to train that much. So Jordan and I came together and we had, so we had three businesses, sorry. So because she had gym quickies, I had peak eight fitness and then we co-created Kalo. So when we opened the doors to Kalo, it was Jordan and I are the founders and we kicked it off. And um, we had three, three businesses per se, And then it was December of 2020 where we're like, okay, we've got to either become one brand or this like is not going to work. Like it's not going to work how we are talking about it, if that makes sense. So we set sail December, 2020 with like this epic, like breakdown of the system and build out of what is this doing and then set foot. And actually our first person that we brought on to our team to train under us is a gal named Rachel Sopinski. And I actually knew her for a while and she trained out of the other gym that we were out of as well. And so we really marched forward with building out this brand and like, you know, letting talk about like letting go of like personal brand and ego and moving forward with, with Kalo. And so when we did first open the doors here at Kalo before December of 2020, we were still training like men and women. And what we realized in this unification process was if we're trying to serve everyone, 
And that included like all of our brands, then who are we serving and what are we doing? Like what makes us different and what is the why behind us? And like, what is our mission statement? And like, what, what is this? Like what differentiates this? And so that December, 2020, Jordan and I got extremely clear about what the mission was and how we were going to do it. And that mission was bridging the gap between fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle and understanding the narrative that continues to circulate out there for women needs to continually be broken down and it needs to be redefined. And it came down to the fact that, you know, blending together our, when we decide on the values here with, um, the values between us, et cetera. And what we're going to focus on is women need to know what their why is. And if they don't know what their why is, then they can't bridge the gap between those three things and they can't accomplish the mission statement. And therefore they can't leave a legacy. And what does it mean to leave a legacy? Starting to do things bigger than yourself, like what you're doing in your life. And really, again, breaking out of that stereotypical narrative. And so we just continue to like build on this and we continue to like unify in the sense of like, okay, who do we serve? Well, we serve women, but what, who in the female world? Well, we serve the multifaceted driven female, that female that is, she's like super dedicated and like pulling herself in a million different directions and taking the analogy for my background of team sports, it's like, well, the best athletes in the world have a coach. So why are we above having coaches? Like, let's normalize this aspect of wanting to up-level our life with facilitating that process. So we just started like bringing in like all of these elements and then like our clients, like, I mean, we started attracting, like, I mean, we built Kalo by word of mouth. Like we started off very like invitation only because of COVID and circumstances and just really trying to decide what was happening. And then the growth happened with like, Hey, you got to go to the spot because they do it differently. And okay. They do it differently because they believe that the core element is strength training. And, you know, there's all of these other like studios, but there needs to be organized programming. And of course now, like anything in the fitness industry, it becomes trendy. Like progressive overload is not new. Like it's been a part of, you know, the wellness, like true fitness and strength conditioning programs, which, you know, with my background, it's like, okay, we we need to train them like athletes. Like when you train like athletes, there needs to be periodization. There needs to be an understanding and not random workouts. Like it's not enough just to have a good workout. Like women need a dialed in experience. There needs to be programmed themes. Okay. Well, how do we do a program theme and like operate this? How do we onboard? Like, what does this experience look like? How are we serving? What does this ideal client want and need? Um, so we just continue like to build off of that. And we continue to evolve who our team was. We started just organically bringing in and then, you know, different lines of communication over time with the connection, you know, with Georgie. And so being able to have Georgie also on our team has just not only like just another badass woman. I mean, our whole team is comprised of some of the most incredible wellness professionals in Colorado. I will attest to that. Um, but the element of just since you did have the podcast with Georgie, I mean, her bringing in that strength conditioning prowess and the expertise like in athletics and dialed in programming and just seeing things in a different way and having a clear understanding of the impact of strength training on women and all of us sharing that like common denominator of understanding there's all kinds of different realms, right? Like um, somebody that was at one of our events had such a great analogy, like fitness is like a salad, 
right? Like there's all of these great ingredients in a salad and all a cart, they can be great. But when you blend them together, you can really create something super impactful. And that's what we believe at Kayla. When we're bridging that gap, it's not like, oh, what do you do? Like paleo? Like, oh, what do you do? Like, like when people ask all the time, what do you like CrossFit? Like, what, like all these things, it's like, no, like we specialize in strength training for women. What does that look like? Like you're going to learn, you know, around your cycle. You're going to learn about creating a periodized plan. You're going to understand the why behind these things that you're doing. Yeah. Mm. What is, uh, what is Kalo like that word? What is, what does that mean? Actually? I, I haven't, I haven't found that out yet. Yeah. So Kalo is derived from the Greek word Kalon, which means beauty beyond skin deep. Mm. Cool. I like that. A very, very fitting. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, we're going to start heading towards the finish line here, Nicole. Um, okay. but before we do, let's, I want, I want, I want to kind of know a little bit more, um, because like, so just, just for the sake of our conversation, like my bachelor's degree is in exercise science. I currently own a gym, done all the personal training, played college football, like all the things too. Right. Um, and, and so I've spent a lot of years like in the quote unquote fitness industry and it is toxic. It's a mess. It's crazy. All the things that you mentioned, uh, but specifically for women, because in our culture, in our country, like there's like um, a very clear picture of like a, what a, a woman should be, what she should do, how she should train. And like, I've competed in bodybuilding. So if you start as a woman getting into a competitive, like, uh, you know, bodybuilding type stuff, uh, it, it, it's just, it's just like a whole different world. Like it's the, the step mill for 45 minutes. It's like you said, the chicken and the broccoli, like it's very, uh, streamlined in terms of this is what it takes to be a competitive female, uh, bodybuilder or figure competitor, bikini competitor, what have you. And uh, the more that I've spent in the bodybuilding world, male, female, uh, it, it just leads to a lot of health issues, a lot of mental issues. Uh, it's crazy. So how are you guys? And then that competitive world, because it's growing like gangbusters, it spills over into the fitness industry. And then you have this whole mess of like uh, a mom of four trying to do an exercise regimen and live her life like a bikini competitor. And it's like, whoa, this is, this is, this is crazy. So how do you guys kind of like um, break through all of that uh, nonsense and really meet these women where they're at? If they're like a, a CEO of a corporation in downtown Denver, it's like, hey, like, how do you kind of like get that training for her streamlined? So it's it's setting her up to feel better and to be more productive in her life and not taking away from her life and leaving her, uh, you know, on the floor, just broken, so to speak. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It does. And I would say that's the biggest differentiator of our brand and the biggest differentiator of what separates us and the power behind like what we're doing is because our why is when, when I say this mission statement of bridging the gap between fitness, nutrition, and lifestyle, the number one piece is the lifestyle piece, because it's not good enough to be great in your fitness world and your nutrition and your personal life sucks. And it's also not good enough to be, have this great personal life and all of these other things suck because truly your personal life isn't great if you're not showing up for your well-being. So it starts with, we have a high barrier of entry by design. So we have a whole onboarding process because the barrier of entry is high. So that way you as a woman are forced to take a step back and be like, 
why do I want this? What am I doing? What is my why behind this? What is my why behind movement? What is my why behind wanting? What does healthy mean to you? What does being disciplined mean to you? What does committing to something? What does it mean to show up as the best version of yourself? Because I'm going to tell you right now, it's also not good enough for you to be a really great CEO and a shitty wife. It's not good enough for you to be a great CEO and not a good friend or failure to show up for yourself. And nobody in the female world, people don't want to talk like that because it feels like you're a bitch. It feels like you are catty. And it's like, no, let's break down the barrier and have some serious conversations about what it is to show up the best version of yourself. And the way you're going to show up the best version of yourself is also back to the community and connection aspect of it. And when you remove those things like the cattiness, you know, the lies, all of those things that people are covering up with overcompensation in other areas and come back into helping women harness what their why and their mission is, we all can get behind that. We can get behind a group of women that are like, yes, like I might be in, you know, a state of postpartum. This next gal might be in a state of her kids are going off to college. This next one might be, doesn't even want kids, but you know what the common thread is, is we're all here to show up for one another. And we're going to show up for one another by living our why. And when you do that and you cultivate a community based around going inward and giving permission of vulnerability, giving permission of losing out on this perfect idea, because there is no such thing as perfect. What there is, is consistency. And what there is, is consistency, even when it sucks. And I will say that is something that we really pack some punch from there at Kalo is understanding like stress happens. (laughs) It's going to happen. And so instead of trying to either avoid it, let's figure out how to harness it instead of trying to cope with it by being psychotic and working out for X number of hours. Let's learn to regulate your nervous system. Like let's learn how to breathe. Like let's also learn that like, girl, you ain't driving five pounds by starving yourself. What you're going to do is you're going to hydrate and you're going to sleep and you're going to identify the things that are not bringing wellness into your life. And you're also going to learn how to have courageous conversations. Mm -hmm. You're going to learn how all of these things. So it's really about meeting people about like where they're at and where we meet them is you have to fill out a little application. And the application isn't because we want to make this hard to get into. We want you to sit in some reflection. We want you to sit into why are you making this next step? And what does this look like for you? After you fill that out, then we have a 30 minute zoom consult with you. After that zoom consult, mostly everyone goes into at least one to four personal training sessions, and then you can come into our small group, but there's an expectation and there's a standard and a protocol of understanding The why behind that is because we're here to show up for you and we can't show up for you if we don't take the time to pause to learn all of those things and for you to get clear about that. Because the reality is, is it's going to get hard. Like life is going to get hard. You're going to get challenged. You're going to be tired. You're going to have challenges, you know, in your personal life, in your work life, you're going to get injured. (laughs) You're going to have unexpected things happen. And so instead of being like, oh, this happened. So because it's like, great, it happened. Cool. Here we go. Like, This is how we're going to work through those things. So I think it's also really bringing a level of normalcy to breaking up with all of those narratives. And listen, if we tell people, if that's what you want to go do, you want to compete in a figure competition, I would say, ask yourself why and go find a place that facilitates that because we are not your place. Hmm. Just not, not what our culture is like. And it's not because that doesn't exist out there. Like that's, like there's not, we have people that are like recovering from things like that, that come through, but 
it's at the end of the day, like instead of avoiding something, we're going to help you face it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Go, uh, going through and not around, as you said earlier, right? Exactly. And it's really about Kalo while our brick and mortar houses our strength, right? It's really about bringing to life, being the hub for women. Like that's what we are. We are, we are the hub and the experts for women. And that's why our team is diverse. Like it is. That's why we run things the way we run them. That's why we're all continually pushing ourselves in a direction to get better. Like to think that you have just arrived and you know, you're, you're just, uh, of course we can kick your ass. We're going to take you through a great workout, but it's this constant effort. And that is something that we share with our clients and our consultations is the expectation of client to coach client to professional at Kalo is this is a two way street of learning. So if you're coming here and you want to drop your body off at the door, we're not your people. If you're coming here and you're willing to share your gifts and you're willing to share your experiences, this is going to work out great. Excellent. Okay. I got two, two, two questions and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up here, Nicole. Um, So in terms of Kalo, what uh, do you and Jordan kind of have for a, a longer term vision? Like uh, I think Georgie said that you guys just recently opened up a second location or something like that, but what's the long-term vision or direction that you guys feel like you want to take Kalo or that you are going to take Kalo? Totally. So as of recently, um, our back portion of our studio has launched and that's what we have branded Kalo Fire and Ice. So that's essentially contrast therapy. We have two ice barrels. We have a large Sisu barrel sauna. And so breath work and contrast therapy are a huge effect. And the biggest differentiator between like how we do this and how other businesses are doing it, it is comes back to the Kalo promise of having a carefully curated experience. Mm-hmm. So that is going to be an integral piece to our brand And the why behind that is it's got to be the full 360 experience and the full 360 experience is nervous system regulation and really truly dialing in and taking care of yourself from the inside out. So that's an aspect of the business that is like carefully growing and going to be released to the public very soon. We just hosted two events with that and we'll be having that on our schedule. Um, And that will be once again, an integral piece to the Kalo brand offering. Um, the second element of growth with Kalo will be taking what we do and being able to work with women at a more in-depth level on a more coaching, like the in-depth coaching experience, kind of more like an exec, what some people would call like executive coaching, but really what it is for us is a deep dive into these high achieving driven females and being able to go a little bit more like inward with them. So great. You've got your fitness, you've got your nutrition, you got all these things. Like how do you take all of this and amplify your life? How do you take all of this and be like the lead lady in your life? Um, so that will be another avenue of growth there. And uh, I would say kind of the third avenue, which Georgie will have a pretty integral piece in this is um, evolving other fitness professionals. Mm. And that starts, obviously we have in-depth like in-house um, nurturing that we do with our coaches, but we really want an opportunity to be able to break up with this whole headspace of like, well, this is how it's always been done. So we're just going to keep on coming up through the ranks like this. It's like, no, like we're, we're, we're not going to do that. So that's a big piece of our brand mission is it's not enough to just shift the client experience. We need to shift the availability of impacting female entrepreneurs in the fitness space. Hmm. Perfect. Okay. So the last question in terms of 
this uh, let's just start kind of from like December of I think you said uh, 2020s when kind of Kayla really uh, took off and and you and Jordan are like okay let's do this so from that point uh, kind of up to this point uh, and and outside of what you've already said like the the power of living your your truth but w- what do you feel like has been like the the biggest uh, um, instigator of personal growth for you, Nicole, over the last, you know, three, three and a half years as you're, you know, growing, uh, building Kalo Fitness? Mm. Biggest instigator of personal growth. I think it's probably a tie, but I think probably the biggest one was coming into terms, uh, like into like recognizing that I have a a personal mission for me, like leadership growth and like business Mm -hmm. um, evolution is something I'm really passionate about. Mm -hmm. And so taking ownership of that and understanding that, like, of course I love to run a session, right? Like, of course that is something that is impactful and it's an integral piece, but it's coming into like answering a deeper calling for myself and that deeper calling for myself is being able to use my gifts in a way of impacting business growth, impacting the growth and development of each of our team members and other professionals out there. And where I strive to be is truly as somebody that is looked upon as that kind of mentor and that like go-to person. That is uh, a great uh, place to end it. I think that's awesome, Nicole. Um, kind of brought everything full circle. So um, before um, I let you go, I want to give you kind of the opportunity. Um, we obviously, we've been going for uh, two hours. So we've, we've had a very thorough, in-depth conversation, which I uh, absolutely love it. But if there's anything that you feel like maybe we didn't touch on that you want to just kind of leave with all of us in closing, I'm going to let you uh, uh, share that. Um, if people are in the Denver area, ladies, and they want to, um, you know, kind of go through the application process and check out Kalo, where can they go? Um, any shout outs, anything that you want to leave us in closing platforms yours. I'll do a quick outro and we'll get you out of here. So, uh, whatever you'd like to share, uh, Nicole to wrap us up here. Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for the opportunity and thank you to the listeners for providing this platform. Um, and if there's anything I can ever do for you personally, um, in addition to, if you want an awesome workout experience, you can reach out to me personally on Instagram, Nicole Hendrickson, or you can find us at Kalo fitness. Um, you can also apply to, um, work with us small group wise. We have expanded our offerings with a couple drop-in offer classes that you can find us on mind body and there's no application process there. So always, um, room for you. And I think, like I said, most importantly, if there's anything I can do for any of the women on this podcast or any of your guys that have a lady in their life, um, that you'd like to connect with, I would, I'm always here and would love to be there for you. Cool. All right. Uh, thank you so much, Nicole. Really appreciate it. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great day. You're, you're very welcome. All of you who are tuning in to another episode of Curious and Candid. I just want to say thank you so very much. Uh, if you guys would like to connect with myself, two places that you could connect, you can connect with me are uh, Instagram, Curious and Candid Podcast, and then email Curious and Candid Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, please, uh, a huge favor I'd ask of all of you, subscribe to Curious and Candid on iTunes. 
leave us a five-star rating and review. And if you guys are interested in holistic lifestyle coaching, uh, you can check out my website, which is awakentrainingandnutrition.com. Again, I appreciate all of you. I value all of you. And we'll catch you guys on another episode of Curious and Candid.